Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. I am excited, as always, to have another amazing guest. And this is going to be kind of fun because I already interviewed his dad, uh, who has a completely different story, but I'm really excited to hear uh, the completely, you know, different path that Nick has had in his journey along the way, even though they both work within the same company. So welcome, Nick Prefontaine. I am so happy to be here, David. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the opportunity here. Awesome. So yeah, let's just dive into it and give us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to in the world. Alrighty. So as, as you uh, kind of alluded to in the introduction there, I am, I come at this from a completely different as, um, way than my dad does. So, or did in the past. So hopefully I can shed a different light on, on a very similar subject. So uh, whenever, whenever anyone's asking me, David, for my origin story, I always go back to in 2003, I was at ski club with my friends. Uh, and as soon as we got to the mountain, we had a right for the chairlift because we were already ready. We had got ready on the bus. Going up the chairlift, we noticed that it was a little icy because it had been raining earlier in the day. Needless to say, I got to the top, buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air and confidently charged towards that jump with all my speed. Going out to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard. So it threw me off balance. And that was the last thing that I remember. Mm. They, they wanted to bring a helicopter to the hospital to rush me to the hospital, but they couldn't because it was too windy. So they sent in an ambulance instead. Um, out of the six paramedics, there was only one who could intubate right in the spot. And I needed that to be able to breathe. Luckily he was within the crew of the paramedics that day. So, uh, things, things were definitely breaking in my favor. Um, something else that I learned was that my goggles that I had were the only protection that my head had. I, I had previously worn a helmet. Uh, selectively, but I had, of course, forgot it that day. So I learned after the fact that my goggles were the only protection my head had. And I found out that after the initial impact, my goggles mysteriously moved around my head to cushion the blow against as I rolled down the mountain and kept hitting my head. So that was another thing that that kept breaking my favor here. Mm. Uh, then, then when I got to the hospital, uh, my parents were totally shocked to see how rough a shape I was in because they were just told, go to the hospital and Nick's been in an accident. So when they got there, they were shocked. And uh, the, doc the doctors had to drill a hole into my head for a shunt to be inserted to relieve the wow. pressure in my brain. Uh, so the pressure wouldn't go up. And if it went up, I would have died. Mm. So after, after, uh, 
after resting in a par partially induced coma, I that's when the doctors had to share the news with my parents and say that, look, he's probably never going to be able to walk, talk and eat on his own again. And fast forward, because I know we, I don't have three hours here to tell you this. Um, after I was in a coma for three weeks, it was a partially induced coma. Uh, I really don't remember a month because as I said, it was partially induced. Then I was transported to a rehab hospital in Boston. And that's where my journey began of learning how to walk, talk, and eat again. My first steps wouldn't come until at least a month after my accident. Um, but the most important thing here was that I did something. Um, so making the decision to make one step was my first step. Then at the hospital, it was long days. David, I would uh, have double sessions of physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And from as early on as I could get my wits about me and really understand my, my surroundings and everything, I had the goal to run out of the hospital. So three months out, less than three months after I got into my accident, I achieved that goal and I ran out of the hospital. Nice. So uh, then after when I got home, it wasn't like my work was done. I had to, of course, get caught up with school, finish school. I had to be tutored all summer long in order to graduate eighth grade with my classmates. Um, and I had to do another six months of outpatient therapy. And it's a little surreal to me now that I talk about it so freely that only 18 months after that, being finished with outpatient rehab therapy, I was knocking on pre-foreclosure doors in some not, not so good areas of, uh, of the city uh -huh. um, to help homeowners that were behind on their mortgage, that had missed mortgage payments. And it's, I say it's a little surreal. Someone had to reflect it back to me to say that, oh, well, well, that's, you were going to some not so, not so nice areas of cities and knocking on doors. And when I was in it, uh, cause I told my dad, I wanted to, they had a real estate company at the time, David, I told them I wanted to get started. I wanted to help. And right around that time, they were playing with having, having an investor, one of the guys go out and knock on the doors of these NOD defaults. Uh, the notice mm -hmm. of default doors, people that had missed payments on the mortgage. So I, they gave me a list, had said, here's a script. And I would go there, knock on the door and say the script and uh, try to arrange meetings with, um, with investors. And it's really been my mentor has reflected it back to me recently that, look, that was probably or was definitely part of your healing process that you were going through because it was so soon after I got done with my therapy. I continued doing that successfully the rest of my high school career. And then after, after I got out of high school, graduated from high school, I started studying to get my real estate license. And then drum roll, please, the time that I passed my real estate license test was March 2008. Pretty outstanding time to be a, a uh, first-time realtor, I know. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
So I was, I was a licensed realtor and I, I had to, there was no good market. Everyone was talking about, oh, things were so good. Things are so hard now. To me, it didn't, didn't make any difference. It was, it's how the market is. I I gotta, I gotta make the calls and make the dials to uh, get the deals that I wanted to and achieve my goals. So fast forward to 2014, my dad started, I still was a realtor, but my dad asked me if I could start helping and helping him with marketing the properties he was getting as an investor. Then that turned into working with the buyers that were responding off the marketing. And then out of that, um, I actually in 2016, January of 16, let my license go and joined him full time. because my income in 2014 as a realtor was here. And then with him, I was making a little bit, but then over the course of two years, uh, my income just shifted and I was making the majority of income with him and it didn't make sense for me to keep my license. That's why I let it go. And doing that then uh, parlayed into the fact that now I do the same thing with our associates that are all over the country, help them uh, with their properties once they get them uh, under contract, non-conventionally. We're investors, we buy property non-conventionally like um, rent own, owner financing, creatively, that, that sort of thing. And then once we get them under contract, we go out to the rent own market, which is roughly, geez, 70 or 80% of the buyers out there who can't get a loan. And we try to, we market the home to them, get them into the home and get them on the path to home ownership. Nice. Yeah. Man, that is crazy. That is a <laughs> quite the journey that you've had. So like, just to take it all the way back to the snowboard accident from, for a second, what, yeah. what was the like actual diagnosis? Like, what did they say your injury was? Well, I, um, I had like the clinical, the clinical thing. I had a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Okay. Got it. So but it was, no broken bones or anything, just the, the brain injury. No, I drank a lot of milk. <laughs> I, I seriously kid. I mean, like I joke, but I, I religiously ate cereal. I would eat cereal for like all meals of the day. If yeah. I, <laughs> It, I, I ate a lot of cereal and that translated to a lot of milk. I didn't break a bone in my body, but when I got in the accident, it was uh, my shoulder where I made it right here, my left shoulder and my head where I made the initial impact were, were like just bruised beyond comprehension, but uh, yeah. I didn't break a bone. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's that's, wild. A, that's an interesting tidbit. I'm glad you asked them. Yeah. And so, and so you were basically, they, they decided that the hospital, the doctors decided that it was best to keep you in a coma for three weeks to allow that time to heal, just allow your body to rest. Is that the idea yeah, behind that? That's exactly it. Yep. Um, and I think it's, it's like coming back these, these uh, bits and pieces as they come out differently, every, every one of these interviews, but they had to do that. So the swelling would go down in my brain because mm-hmm. without it, there was a good chance that I, I would wake up after just from the impact alone. This is how severe it was. They said 
you would have been out for seven or 10 days based on the impact alone. Mm. So if I woke up, they were afraid that I would panic me like, where am I? What am I doing? Who are you people? What, what the heck is going on? And I would like, and I would freak out and the swelling would go up. And as a result, I would have died. So they had to allow my body. That's a perfect way of saying it. They had to allow my body the time to heal. Mm. Cool. Awesome. It's yeah, it's just so amazing what, you know, what we can do with in those types of cases where you're like, man, if you hadn't been able to, if they hadn't been able to put you in that coma for a while, like it might've turned out completely different. Um, so when, like, what do you think and what did, what was the feedback that you got? Because they said you might not have ever be able to walk and talk again. Um, what did they, did they give you some like, Hey, this is amazing what you're doing, how fast you're recovering. And here's why we think that's happening. Another interesting point, and uh, due to the fact of, that we didn't have the time, I didn't go into detail on on the whole on the whole story. But my parents, so early on in my recovery, when I first got to the hospital, my parents would be in my hospital room, and the doctors would come in to share updates with them, my prognosis, what was happening, and at least in the early going, David, these updates weren't very positive. Um, mm -hmm. as you can imagine, they were worse and worse and worse. Every time the doctors would come to my parents to share updates, most patients that are there, the doctors think, like, Oh, he's, he's unconscious. He's in a coma. He can't hear me. It doesn't matter if I, if I talk and share what's going on about him. But my parents knew that even though I was in a coma, I was still taking in information. So they said, no, no, not here. Like, let's go outside. Mm. We ushered them out of the room. So really throughout my whole recovery, I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm. I, I you never no, got any negative input. No, my parents didn't, didn't let that happen, which is That's so, which was so important. And, yeah. and I, I'm just saying, I'm definitely thankful to this day, but they allowed me to, that allowed me to, once I was aware of my surroundings and what was going on, just to treat it like any other situation, just to get up, do the best I can. And I kept getting better every day. Mm. Wow. That's, that's super interesting. Yeah. And I can, I can just only imagine like what your parents have been going through. I, um, I have two daughters and they're nine and six and my youngest actually just got in a I thought what looked like could have been a terrible bike accident a couple of weeks ago, actually. It was like the scariest parenting moment I've had. Fortunately, she walked away from it, which is amazing. Um, like a scratch on her ankle, like almost nothing. But I can only imagine what your parents must have been feeling like being in the hospital with you in a you know, partially induced coma and just like how, how challenging that must have been. It's crazy. Um, anyways, fast forwarding a little bit. Uh, you, so then, yeah, you're, you're like 18 months from there. You're out, you're out working, you're out doing stuff. You're still going to school. Um, when you were, well, when you were, unfortunately, unfortunately, I had to <laughs> go to school. I had to go to school. So the only time I could do doors was on weekends and holidays. So yeah. Okay. That kind of limited my time and I would load them up on usually one day a week one or two, if I was feeling very ambitious, it was two, but it, 
it was usually one day a week and I would bang out 50 to 70 doors in a day. Nice. nice. So was that kind of always the, like the, the path that you, you thought you might go down because of your dad and the, just the environment you were in with, with real estate, you thought like, yeah, I'm probably going to go into this in some way, shape or form. Or did you have like other ideas when you were younger? It was all, I don't even, I don't even know if I can put my finger on it, but it was all, it was all I knew. It was, I grew up and that's everything I knew. Like when I was, when I was a toddler, not toddler, but when I was, when I was like anywhere from four to call it four to seven or eight, I, my dad was a builder. Then he was a realtor after that, then an investor. And it's so all my life, that's, that's what I knew. That's, yeah. that's that was your environment. 100%. That was my yeah. environment. So when I got out of, out of uh, the hospital and out done with recovering and everything, I started reading books. And the first book I read, well, it was actually on my dad's bookshelf was Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kawasaki. Mm -hmm. So that was that was kind of what started my wheels and got my brain thinking like, hey, I want to. So then once I was interested and I got it, I said, hey, I want to I want to help. Like, what what can I do? And right around that time, they were they were uh, door knocking NODs. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Cool. Yeah, that's that's what I, I kind of had the feeling that was probably the case. It was just like. Yeah when you're in that environment. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So then you go through all of this, uh, progression to, to get to where you are now. Um, what were like, a, what is something that stands out as a, a challenge along that path from, let's say after you had your real estate license to now, um, that you were able to work through and take a lesson from. Ooh, okay. You're, um, that's a great question. That's a great question. I'll give you, I'll give you like a high level for this, but in, gosh, I would say in 2012, I developed, I developed a voice issue. There was, there was something going on with my voice towards the end of, as the summer wound down in 2012, I didn't know what it was. And I was, I even had people asking me and I explained it away. Like, I oh, know I'm fine. I've just been, I've been prospecting too much or been working too much. I would, when I was a realtor, I would prospect for like two to four hours a day. Crazy. But so I just, that's what I attributed to. So I didn't think any, I didn't think any big deal. Then as the calendar started to turn into the fall and we got into October by the end of October, I was like, all right, something's seriously wrong. So I went to a doctor, got a full physical that checked out. All my signs were great, but I was like, yeah, that's not it though. Some, something's wrong. So I was going everywhere. I was going to allergists. And then I, I figured, Hey, I'd already learned how to talk on my own once. Why not go to speech therapy and start doing that on my own at a local hospital? That's what I did. Then I did six months of that, five or six months of that. And they'd given me everything that they could. And they're like, Hey, we don't, we've given you everything. We don't, we don't know what it is. So they mm -hmm. referred me to a specialist in Boston who I guess are only 35 of these specialists in the country or on the continent rather. 
and you work, you, so I went to see him and I had built up in my head that it was such a big deal that I was doing this and I, I didn't have to, and I, I should probably just rest and everything. And then when I saw him, he just put me so at ease. He was just like, Oh, well, yeah, I know what that is. We, we work with that all the time. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get you fixed up, uh, in no time. So then I started getting, um, Botox injections into my throat to, mm. it, it was like, it was like, I was talking like this. It was like really difficult to get the words out. So it was like basically for lack of a better term, I had like tension, like muscle tension in my throat yeah. that they needed to, I needed the Botox to relieve that. And then I had to retrain myself to speak again for the second time. Mm. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known, but at the time when I, when I met him in August of 2013, he said easily, yeah, we'll get you nonchalant. Yeah. We'll get you fixed up in no time. I would have never thought that I would need to get those injections and work with his speech team. Uh, for seven years until I was able to get my voice back, but that's what it was. Um, my last injection that I had wow. to get was um, February of 2020, right before the world shut down uh, with COVID and everything. Mm. So I haven't had to get one since. And that's, so that's behind me. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm done with that, that that's behind me, but that's, that's definitely a challenge that I've had yeah. to overcome. And I think what I've learned from that and really everything that I'm doing, the more and more I talk and the more and more I write about this, everything that I'm doing is one step at a time. Just take it mm -hmm. one step at a time. And if you, as long as you're worrying about just what your next step is going to be, um, the next step after that is always going to be available for you, provided you take your first step. That's all you have to worry about. That's all you have to focus on. That's what it really taught me. And that's really the, the step system is what I use unknowingly when I recovered from my snowboarding accident. And then I still unaware of it. I, that's what I used again to overcome my voice issue and get through that. And now I'm starting to uncover that more and more and share it with the world, people that are going through a life challenge, crisis or trauma, I'm helping them go through it and helping them to get through the other side by just focusing on one step at a time. So that's what I would say to if there's a lesson on yeah. that, focus on one step at a time. Yeah, I love that. I definitely resonate with that. I find so many people when they're they're get feeling overwhelmed, it's because they're just they're looking at everything. There's too much. You're looking at the whole plate of food instead of just yeah. eating one bite of off the plate. Exactly. So I think that yeah, that's spot on. And it's just like really cool to hear like 7 years is a long time <laughs> to yeah. take one step at a time, you know? And so I think there's a lot of value too in that where like persistence, just like continuing to take that one step for that long to get to the end goal. Cause it's so easy to give up like way earlier than seven years for sure. 
the reason the reason I'm smiling like ear to ear, if if you're just listening to this, you you're not able to see me. But as you're saying that, I'm smiling ear to ear because STEP is an acronym. The the system that we created. Um, so STEP is an acronym, but the P of the STEP system is persistence. That's exactly nice. it. <laughs> That's exactly That's awesome. It. So I love it. Absolutely. That's cool. Okay, so give us the rest of the acronym then. What are the, the four? So the first one is support. Uh, you have to make sure you have your support uh, lined up right at the start. This, this will have you, this is your, doesn't necessarily have to be your family and friends, but um, this is probably going to have people referring back or falling back to um, relationships that they built prior to the setback. Uh, T is mm -hmm. trust. So trust is trust that the next step will make itself available to you once you have your first, once you take your first step. And that's why the first mm -hmm. step is so important. E is energy. Energy, you have to focus on taking care of your energy. So if you don't take care of you, uh, health, diet, exercise, how can you expect to take care of and affect others? And then P, as you just eloquently said, is persistence. Persistence. Once you've taken that first step, keep getting up every day and taking that next step, no matter how small. Uh, by by doing that, by by taking a step, no matter how small, you're going to build an unstoppable momentum. Mm, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I love. I, I really like that actually. All of those things are, I think, really, really important. That's very cool. Awesome. Okay, so, and, uh, so I will. Oh, go ahead. Just to, yeah, just to just to wrap that up. There, there's another. There's like so. There's smart real estate coach, but there's also another business that I'm doing. My my baby, I guess you could call it. Common goal is working with people, motivated people to get to the other side of their challenge and help them achieve their limitless potential. Uh, that's where the step system comes from. Um, so if anyone's, if anyone's interested in that, they can head on over to my website and that's nickprefontaine.com and they can actually get a free PDF, a free ebook called step, and that will help them to take their first step. Um, they can head on over there for that. And then if anything, if said, uh, David, for anyone listening is in, like, they're interested, like, oh, that's a, that's an interesting way of doing real estate. If they want to check that out, uh, they can go to our website, smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. And there they're going to learn about our trademark three payday system and they can also learn more about it about our whole program and if it's any interest to them they they'll know how to get started at the end of it yeah awesome thank you for sharing that um so who who is somebody that you would likely see who'd be like yeah i'm interested in learning about that you know who's like the typical person that raises their hand and say I want to. I want to learn more about this smart real estate three payday system. So typically, 
Now, you would think, looking at it from the outside, that, oh, that's that's investors that have been investing for five or 10 years that uh, just are looking to add another source of revenue or another kind of another uh, strategy, another bucket to their portfolio. But actually, a lot of a lot of the people that we're working with are people who um, don't have any real estate background. Frankly, it's hmm. very it's it's actually very curious. People that don't have a real estate background, however, they they're entrepreneurial and they mm -hmm. want to they want to design their lifestyle and and build this and be their own boss. So we're helping a lot of people. Um, and this might, to you, this, this might sound normal, but to the listeners, it might, it might not. We're helping a lot of people transition from their nine to five and like having a, a um, having a boss and like having, having an income um, to being their own boss and replacing that income and quitting their job. So that's, that's a lot of the people that we're working with now. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we talked about that because I think, you know, people might think, oh, I need to have a background in real estate. I know that's yeah. definitely not the case for you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so got a couple more questions for you. Number one, do you still snowboard? Have you gone back? Uh, all right, so <laughs> I have. Okay. I have, but I think it was, I think it was more just to prove to myself that I could do it because mm -hmm. a big thing that motivates me still to this day is when someone tells me that you can't do it or, oh no, no, you, you won't be able to do that. That, that, that's like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, like, even, even back to that day of my accident, people were saying, oh, you'd be, you'd be insane to go down and hit that. No one can hit that jump. I was like, oh yeah. So I was told that, oh no, you, you'll never be it. You can't, you can't do it like you used to. So I did. Um, I actually, I don't know how I pulled this off, but I convinced my parents after my accident that I wanted to, I wanted to still work at the mountain and I wanted to go and be, just be around snowboarding, but I wasn't going to snowboard. I was just going to help out. And then temptation, it proved too much. And I ended up grabbing my friend's boards and doing a run here and there and coming down. And then once my friends saw that, Oh, Nick's back, he's fine. They're, yeah. They were like, they let me, they let me do a run here and there. Uh, they're like, as long as you wear a helmet and be careful. But then my mom found out and I can always, I can always remember the day that uh, she found out and I came home and she was bawling, crying mm. because I had already put them through a lot with my accident and no one, no son want no son's goal in life is to make their mother cry. So I, I stopped after that. Um, mm. I haven't, I haven't gone back since. I don't doubt that I would have, wouldn't have the ability to, I'm sure I would. I just, it's not worth it to me. Um, yeah. Making my mom cry even at 33 years old. Yeah. I don't want to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, that, t- I, that totally makes sense. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I was curious because I figured you were the type of person who would want to like kind of, you know, get back on the horse sort of thing to like, sit, like, no, yeah, I could still do, do this, but <clears throat> yeah, that makes people, sense also why you haven't continued. And really, and really just real quick, David, people that, people that go through a traumatic brain injury, like it wasn't just me. It wasn't just a, that's a unique thing to me. People I've seen, I've seen people that have gone through the same injury, had a traumatic brain injury from snowboarding, like pro mm-hmm. snowboarding. And Ben, mm-hmm. there are people that are much better than me that have been pro snowboarders that have been like, all right, let's go. Let's get back on the horse. Let, I'm, I'm snowboarding again, even though everyone around them, their family was telling them that they shouldn't, they did it. And I've seen the look in their eyes and the conviction that they say, I'm going to snowboard again. And I just feel bad for them. I feel bad for them because mm-hmm. I know that's a, I know that's a symptom of the traumatic brain injury that you go through that process of thinking you're fine and you're going to snowboard like nothing ever happened, but something did happen and you Mm -hmm. have to, you have to move on. You have to move on with your life. And now I focus that, I focus that uh, passion and energy into other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. My, uh, final question for you, and this could be work, personal, whatever, take it any category you want. What makes you feel fully alive? That's a, that's a great question. So the way I'm going to answer that, the, so back in 2019, uh, was the last time we had a live event and, um, that was September of 2019 QLS quantum leap system event that we had in Newport, Rhode Island. We're going to be having our live event, um, in Newport again, this September, uh, for the first time Hmm. since 2019, first time in three years. So there was, I spoke at that. Um, I shared my story and then I also taught a little bit, uh, had a presentation on how to work with buyers, that kind of thing. And someone that saw me speak came up to me after and gave me a card and said, if you ever want to get started, like, I'm not trying to steal you away from your dad or anything, but if you ever want to get started with speaking, give me a call. I can point you in the right direction. So at the time I was still dealing with struggles with my voice and and the muscle tension and everything like that. Um, in fact, a week or two after that event, I had to get another treatment, another, um, injection, but I always held on to her card and a year ago. So back to May of, uh, 21, 2021, I called her and said, all right, I'm like, after I got past the voice thing, I'm like, how do, where do I go? What do, how do I get started? She hooked me up with, um, her, one of her coaches, uh, Trisha Brooke and mentors, I had a strategy call with her, uh, a little over a year ago. She told me about the work that she does, uh, the speaker salon, which is in New York city. You have to commute to New York city for six weeks. And then there's a final performance, the speaker showcase on the six week. And I, I said, yes, absolutely. 
let's do it. And then during the speaker salon mm. working with her, she said um, she specializes in helping speakers build out their speaker platform and by working one-on-one. -on -one. And I said, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, so I've been working with her since January and I, by doing that, so for the past 13 months, um, I have been, I have felt completely alive. I think before that, there was always this voice in the back of my head, David, that was saying, you, you should be on stage telling your story. You should, what are you doing? You should be on stage telling your story. But since I've been, since mm -hmm. I called 13 months ago, I don't have that anymore. I don't have that voice. She's helped me establish my company, Common Goal, which relates to and leads motivated people to their common goal and all the work that I'm doing to this day. And I call it past 13 or 14 months. I have felt fully alive. That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Nick. It was really awesome to hear your story and thank you for sharing all of your insights. I, you're welcome. I have, um, I actually have one more thing. I almost forgot uh, yeah. For, your, yeah. for your listeners. We'll send them a free copy of one of our books. Um, okay. so, uh, totally free. Uh, they don't, we're not after they opt in, we're not going to say, Oh, you gotta just kidding. You gotta pay shipping and handling. Uh, give yeah. us a credit card. <laughs> it's, it's a hundred percent free. And, um, they can get access to that by going to wicked smart books dot com slash sacrifice to success and those awesome. links will be in the show notes as well okay great sounds awesome all right thanks again nick awesome hey thank you so much for having me david i have fun today i hope you did too oh yeah definitely it was a pleasure Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.